late. It's late in the even. God, I got. I, I should go like do stuff with my day, like stretch. Yeah, man. It's a, that's the thing that sucks about moving is like I haven't been able to run like my two miles. Oh, you're fine. But it's like I feel like I'm still getting a workout. Like last night, I was exhausted. I was dead tired. Dead tired. Woke up super early. It's because you're old now. Moving stuff all day. It's because you're old now. I mean, I moved a lot of heavy stuff. That's uh, because you're old now. That might be it. It's because you're old now. And I wake up early. I wake up early naturally, and I go to sleep at like 11 naturally. That's the cycle of life, baby. Nah, man, that sounds bad to me. That sounds bad, 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 bad news bears. But hello and welcome to the old person people playing video My bones, they've hurt. I love my SNES. Just kidding. Welcome to Garbage Game Club. I'm Nick. That's Joey. And we are going to talk about a video game. That is part of our video game book club that we do. I know, right? It's like, it's like weekly. Imagine playing a game a week. That's a lot. That we, that's something that we basically have done for over a year now. Like, give or take, we've that's kind too of played much. it. We, I, I disagree. That's too much. Nobody should play that many games. No. I think, that, I think that I am watching myself run out of games to play. I think that my backlog of stuff that I actually want to try oh, at this point it. is below 50. I just thought of a game that we're both going to have to play. What? We'll talk about it later. What? Okay, whatever. Uh, someone... It released on Thursday, but it's a game. It's one of those 90-minute experience games that you and I love to to play. <sighs> okay, we'll get there, but right now we're not talking we're about... We're not talking about a 90-minute experience. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a game that's a little bit longer than 90 minutes, probably to its own detriment, because we are here. The thumbnail on the episode title told you that we are here to talk about Cardo. A game. What is it? I feel like I feel like my my quarter one twenty twenty one has actually been going through and playing uh, like quarter three and four twenty twenty games. Same. I think yep. I think I've been doing a decent amount of that. Like like I'm I've been late to the party, but I've been catching up quite rapidly on all of them. And Cardo falls into that position of this is an indie title that released for uh, Switch and PC, and it has like some kind of uh, clout. Excellent clout and praise from people who like indie games which generally means that it does something cool mm-hmm. um Encardo is 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 uh I, I i like to think of it as like a storybook game but that's also derived from like the art style it feels very like storybooky yeah, you're, it's you're, a beautiful looking game everything feels hand-drawn and it has like this almost pastel style look which is nice you're cardo you're you're a female protagonist who's just trying to find her way back home little kid you're a little little kid and and she falls off her airship and has to find her way home the main mechanic of cardo which is what a lot of people were into and i think you know the, the, the whole game was derived around this mechanic that the map is basically a puzzle piece that you can maneuver the ground underneath you right and you're trying to like you know use this as a tool to, you know, connect a river back together or make a pattern to make a new tile spawn or maybe Cardo can't cross a bridge or maybe she can't, you know, get through a forest. But if you pick up the tile that she's on and then rotate a little bit, then suddenly, ah, you can connect to a different part of the map. And that is the main game mechanic that you're playing with. The ground underneath your feet can be picked up, moved around, and, and shifted to your heart's content. And it, it has a, uh, 
you're, if you were going to define it in a genre, you'd probably say like puzzle adventure because you are you know walking around talking to people, solving problems, trying to get back home. Like it, like it is an adventure game, mm-hmm. but but with a heavy dose of, of puzzling built in. And we're not talking like uncharted puzzle adventure. We're talking more more classic puzzle adventure, like it like actually a puzzle. It's more so I need to navigate to a location that there's clear no clear way of going about getting there unless I manipulate this tile-based, grid-based map and adjust the puzzle pieces in a way that the land, because you are physically altering the land to cross um, certain bodies to get to your next destination, to ultimately find your way home. And initially, I was excited because I had no idea what Cardo was about, and I'm a big fan of games that allow a similar mechanic where you can rotate the world to create a, essentially a new world all at once mm-hmm. and uh yeah I, I was really in and i thought i was gonna be completely sold on this but uh i'm feeling a butt here like yeah. the way you're phrasing the sentence means that a butt is coming I, I found myself completely enamored with the art style and i think that you know the overall like tone of the story is very cute and i just like the way it looks and i think it's a solid mechanic but the thing that i found myself like wanting is i think just more to do because ultimately it felt a very simple which is okay because it is you know that's okay that a game has one mechanic and that's what the entire game is about but it 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 didn't feel like it was meaty enough as i initially thought it would be because i was excited at first but it felt like it didn't have enough substance to that mechanic to completely uh sink my teeth into um, the thing that this game does sometimes that I love is hearkening back to the days of like Dark Cloud, uh, where you are world building based on requests from the townspeople. Mm-hmm. And I love it when you get to do that in games. Also, an Act Razor, um, Soul Blazer. Uh, but I'm a big fan of the in the first level, uh, by, uh, just as an example. One of the like fisher, fisher women, uh, she says, Oh man, I, my husband's around here somewhere. He always used to fish on the ocean east of here. And so that's your cue as the player to be like, oh, I should put a shore based tile east of this tile. That makes sense. And so you do that, the guy pops up, and then the wife is happy. And you get to talk to two new people and have two interactions. I love shit like that. Card is a game where uh, you need to. Where part of the core game is listening to NPCs and like being able to read text properly, because a lot of the clues that you're getting to what you need, because a lot a lot of stuff is pretty abstract, right? Like some stuff makes sense, like you're trying to get from A to B, and you know that you're just trying to get to A from A to B, right? But other stuff, it's like, well, I have these puzzle pieces, I don't know what to do with them, and then you kind of find out and get clues what to do about them by talking to people and doing the world building, mm-hmm. which isn't always my favorite thing. I feel like generally in games I rate NPC dialogue and interactions as something I would prefer to mash through. Um, I, th- I think the writing's clever, too. In this. I think it's like charming and kind of funny. Um, but yeah, that, that's just my personal taste. Um, but yeah, I, 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 like, I like the abstract thinking that goes into this style of puzzle making not not the actual rotation of puzzle pieces and whatnot that's more concrete as far as like i need to make a picture i need to complete a path mm-hmm. i really like the request thing or not necessarily request but just in order to advance i need you to do something that involves something like this i like it when the game 
gives you a hint as to what you need to do, but not hit you over the head with the correct answer. And I think that the request thing that I, that I use as an example is a good example of hitting you over the head with what you need to do. But I think one of my favorite instances of this use your mind, use logic to figure out the answer is in the second island, um, one of the, you need to find a, a sheep herder's lost sheep. And so you travel around the island, you find three different sheep, and he goes, oh, I need one more. But this fourth sheep, and you, you at this point, you would have looked at all of the available land tiles and not come across this fourth sheep. So you're thinking, where the hell is this fourth sheep? Yeah, I missed it. Like, I can't be this. Like, I'm, am I blind? And, and the clue that the, that the herder gives you is that the sheep is always found in between four bushes with red berries. And you're like, well, there's no one tile that contains four bushes with red berries. But I know that each tile each of these four tiles contain three that are all pointing like if you look at the overall picture every tile has three bushes arranged in the form of an arrow to some extent so then you start thinking well if it's in between and then you start thinking a little bit more along the lines of what the game wants from you and you realize you need to point all of those tiles so that all of the bushes point towards one center tile and by doing that you generate a new tile in between that was missing. And of so, course, whoa, that's so I can get goes. map pieces by arranging my other map pieces in secret ways. Okay. Like that's where the game shines for me. I love that kind of puzzle. And like, it, it feels very much like less logic and more like cerebral. And you have to really think about how you can manipulate a space. And I think that's genius for this game. And I think that Cardo needs something like that to kind of, because you don't just want to like be gifted a map piece because like townspeople give you map pieces. Sometimes you'll find map pieces on the ground that expand the world. Sometimes they're generated by solving, by solving puzzles uh, or, or, you know, finishing, finishing quests. But at the end of the day, they, they take these minimal mechanics and I think stretch them out too much because there's moments of shine where you like you know you find where the sheep is and you're like oh that's cool or you turn the river into a circle and you make a new tile yeah. or like you know you 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 put that you you know that's like oh well you know the ship docks to the north not the west and then you gotta you know rearrange the map so everything's orientated to the dock to the north right like that stuff is cool but then the game keeps on going on for like six hours seven hours and at a point in time i feel like I don't really get treated to those new tricks or like those new aha moments. Mm -hmm. And instead I'm just continually using my toolkit in different environments to solve different people's problems where the actual amount of variation that's going on in the puzzle solving now feels minimal. And my, my chief complaint about Cardo as I'm playing through it is that I enjoyed the first quarter and then from quarter two through four, I felt um, kind of samey. And I think that a lot of people are really meant to be driven forward by the story. You are Cardo. You're making friends. You're trying to find grandma. You have like this carrot dangle in front of you and you're trying to, you know, get back to your family, right? Mm -hmm. I think that that is supposed to be the driving force for most people. And as soon as you don't actually feel invested or caring about Cardo's story, Suddenly, you're just playing a puzzle game that is a little bit too samey for my taste. 
Yeah, and I, I think, you know, I, I think that the, it, it's a weird dilemma to be in because I think Cardo is a solid game for people who want to play a game over a long period of time. I think Cardo is a game best enjoyed where you play it maybe once every three to four days and play a level or two, put it down and pick it up again. But I think that because of the nature of this podcast... Or the way I play games. Yeah, the people who have a tendency to just, oh, I'm going to power through the game and I will stop once I get tired. That's me. That's every game I play. I, I think that this game really grates on that kind of personality because it really does feel like you're doing the same thing often, but just a little bit different. The one thing I, I can really praise about this game that I think is just outstanding is the fact that they did come up with an interesting mechanic that I think that they saw it through to the natural conclusion. I think that they use that mechanic in every way they human, like that was humanly possible to design a game around. And I think that that deserves some lauding is they took a manic, uh, uh, they introduced a mechanic and saw it through to its uh, ultimate conclusion. Like this is everything you can do. But the thing that I found myself wanting more was instead of trying to unlock the next piece, I found myself just like, these are just empty pieces like they didn't really feel meaningful or special mm -hmm, to mm -hmm, me mm -hmm. and i think you know it i think my only comparison i could raise like to this because you know i always think in terms of comparisons when it comes to like you know what's similar to this you know what works about this that didn't work for me in this and i think about top-down zelda games where it's very similar tile-based and the the thing that i i find myself interested in Zelda versus uninterested in, in Cardo was the exploration itself. Uh, in Zelda, I'm always excited at what the next tile contains. There's goodies. There's, there's treasures. There's, there's stuff, there's, there's stuff to keep you enticed to navigate. I need to explore every inch of this square. Whereas in Cardo, it feels very much like I need to draw a line from a to B. And I do that using these tiles and they are nothing more than a means to an end. There's not really much outside of fun dialogue and good character interactions. Like, I love it when you get to the village for the first time and you have to arrange someone's house in a way where you, the game never tells you you need to arrange the interior of the house. You just do it because you're used to doing that. And sure enough, you can manipulate the interior world of their house, which is like a cool idea because the game doesn't tell you you can do it. You just assume you can, which is smart. That's good. I don't know how I felt about the hub world of the library. Mm. Uh, I think that's cool that you had like a like a space to keep going back to that connected all these lands together. Hub world is like feels very generous. Mm. I think that it was it's it's like um it, it takes the the familiarity of a hub world to let you be able to like breathe for a little bit or like have some level of familiarity. Uh, but then as soon like I didn't care about like the books in the library or like rearranging the library to get to to my next destination on Lock and New World. Like it felt a little tiresome. Like you're and just then, solving a puzzle. Yeah. That's that that's what it was for me. And, and I, now I feel like I'm being negative, but like because I guess I am, but like I there there was like cool takeaways from Cardo. How how you can take a game mechanic, really, really let it shine and, and flourish it. The, the art style, I think, of Cardo was, like, pretty beautiful. Um, Gorgeous. And, and, like, it is it is what I like to think of as also just a good Switch game because this is something that, like, you can take outside, you can play in bed, you can play for an hour, you can play while you're taking a shit. Like, this, like, it it is snackable. 
yeah. which I which I don't think a lot of oh, games. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's snackable. I like that. It's it's snackable. So I I was I was pretty happy with with that aspect of it. I think the only thing that you were talking about is where like it started to get like weird for me is that I wanted to just finish it and I didn't want to like you know play a level because it is segmented basically into like levels and worlds yeah. like eight of them maybe ish you know the game does run from like probably around six to eight hours if I had to guess yeah it sounds about right if I had to do that I probably would have if, if I could have just paced myself better I think that I would have had a more enjoyable experience but there was a certain point where it's like I just want to be done with this yeah and I think I don't care about Cardo's I think, story I think Cardo is a game that has a lot of soul but it just feels like something that ultimately isn't compatible with me as a player, and that's okay. Um, I think this is a great puzzle game for people who are interested in getting into puzzle-type games. Like, the the one thing that I was reminded of as well, in addition to, like, a top-down Zelda, like Link's Awakening, for example, was uh, Goragoa. Because I think Goragoa does something similar with um, maybe not necessarily rotating pieces, but... Uh, rearranging tiles in order to create a different overall image. The puzzles are never that difficult, too, mm-hmm. which is good. Like, and, and I think that there's like a level of accessibility here. I would say in the entirety of Cardo, there's probably three puzzles that are hard. Maybe. Yeah, I'd there's say, ones I'd that make you. They're the puzzles that make you sit and think for maybe ten minutes instead of you know three. There, there's an ice sliding puzzle that that could be rather rather difficult to brute force, mm. which I think is actually designed nicely because you can't just brute force it and spin tiles around. The game actually it's it's pretty hard to brute force the game in general. You you, ha- you have to listen. You to kind what's of going you on. have to play the way it kind of intends for you to play, mm-hmm. which is also maybe a little bit of a criticism I have because it's like handholdy, but like not in like a traditional handholdy sense. Like it doesn't let you deviate much. Yeah, and I think that a, a game like this just by nature of shifting around land masses really lends itself to improvisation of getting from A to B. Like there should be two different paths to get to B, which I I think there is to some extent, but for the most part, the game very much wants you to lay down certain tiles in certain ways, Mm -hmm. which is okay, but it'd be nice if it was a little more variation. Um, and, And it sucks to say like, the one thing that feels gross to say, but I will say it just for the sake of... Uh, figuring out and like really pulling this thought out like I would love a top down Zelda that uses uh, that has an item that uses this kind of mechanic that you can rotate the world in in different pieces or a dungeon that you can rotate right yo yo Nintendo rip some shit out of here but I I think it's genuinely a, a in a in a slew of games that really you feel like you've seen everything that a top-down game can do Mm -hmm. cardo introduces something new in that respect and it's a thing that i think is revolutionary for every other top-down adventure game because i think that this forces you to think about the world in another way it very much in the way link to the past has the light world and the dark world i could very easily see the next handheld zelda game have light world and the rotated world Aren't all zelda games handheld zelda games though <laughs> yeah that's true but I, I could definitely see a rotated world and they'll probably call it that and it's a world where you can rotate pieces of the environment of the world map itself and that sounds awesome and i think the reason why i want that in a zelda game is again to to tap into a, a, a franchise that i know 
gives me the thing I want, the satisfaction of exploration. And that's ultimately the thing that I didn't get from Cardo. I wasn't ultimately satisfied with wanting to explore its world, even though the game wanted to present me an interesting world. I mm -hmm. think the characters are great. I think the writing's a lot of fun. I think the game's beautiful. But I just never really felt like I wanted to relax in the world of Cardo. I just wanted to get it over with. Yeah, and I don't necessarily... I think that we have a similar criticism there, and I don't want to turn people away from playing this game because of that criticism. I don't think that this is something that I would rate so poorly that I would say, ah, you don't have to play it. I think that this is... I think that Cardo falls into like a highly subjective game that may be for you and if it is has something interesting i think i think the game definitely at a base level is is not at all bad no it it's does, not bad it, it is not bad it does something that is interesting that is worth playing to break down from a game design and a game appreciation standpoint however it's not making any top 10 lists that i'm putting together like it, it it's not jumping out at me it's not like oh man if you played cardo you should definitely play cardo that's not where where it lives in in my in my sphere of game but it, but it's it's somewhere that is like a a very niche recommendation to people who are either like so into games that they like to break down individual mechanics or someone who this particular genre whether it be art whether it be story whether it be like you know light puzzles on mobile that that can appreciate so not for everyone Take it slow. But interesting and something you shouldn't marathon through. Yeah, don't marathon. Otherwise, I do think you'll get tired of it. And I do think, despite my lukewarm reception to Cardo, I do think that there's a world where they do a, a Cardo 2 or, you know, hey, this game's like Cardo. But oh, no, it, the airship crashed again. <laughs> but, like, I think that there's a World War, world war a, a uh, like, a sequel to this maybe does encapsulate some of those exploration elements I'm interested in and more of those requesty cerebral, hey, you know, this thing needs to only appears when these islands are in these quadrants or whatever. And like, I think that could be interesting. I think a, I think a game that would get me super stoked for the next Cardo is Cardo combined with ActRaiser or like a Sim City type thing where you are actively manipulating the environment and in doing so, causing weather changes. And in weather changes, different crops rise. Like, again, that's a lot. I'm asking, so like what, what's your Cardo cross harvest moon? Kinda, yeah. And I, I like the idea of fulfilling people's requests based on where they're situated on a landmass. I love that. Very few games tap into that. And I'm a big sucker for it. And I feel like every game that does use that mechanic is always hearkening back to, you know, Actorazor, Soul Blazer, all of the games that did it before. So I'm wondering if there's got to be a, a, the next evolution of this type of game. And I think it's going to, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it came from uh, the developer of the game, Sunhead Games. Uh, it feels like it's ripe for it. I just. I think this is a, the promising start to a, a good career in development because I do think this is a great like freshman year style release. Oh, this is absolutely something that, that is phenomenal for a freshman release. Just, just, just take it with a with, with a little bit of uh, a little bit of salt. Just take it slow. Play it, play a level or two every other day, and I think you'll have a much better time than us just powering through the game because I don't really think it's meant to be enjoyed that way. All games need to be enjoyed that way. <laughs> right into my fucking jugular. But Joey, what? I think that is all. I think we've said everything there is to say about Cardo. But what 
lies next. So what's next is is something that actually this is something that uh, that, that Joey played a, a little while ago. Joey, Joey played this a couple months ago. And uh, sometimes, just to peel back the curtain for the show a little bit, sometimes when uh, you know Nick and I compare what games we've been playing and we try and strategically think about what to play next. But every so often a game comes across where I play something, Nick plays something, and then we go, hey, dude, you got to play this game. And that game that I played, and I was really nudging Nick to play, which he finally completed, and now we can do a show on, is Yoku's Island Express. And let me give you let me give you the pitch for that game, because that's probably, if you look at all the games on the podcast feed, I would bet that it is probably one of the ones with the least amount of name recognition. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely in, 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 the, in the bottom for probably games people know, unless you're like really tuned into like indie games. Let, let me pitch the game for you. Bugs, which as we know, I love saying Hollow Knight. Big fan. Big fan of Bugs. Bugs. I also love Bug Fables. Bugs. Metroid. Pinball. Pinballvania. Pinballvania. Pinballvania with, with bugs. Bugvalvania. Sounds good to me, man. Um, we'll be back. I think that you can like maybe play it on Game Pass. I think that it's on multiple consoles. It's I actually, played it on It's actually no longer on Game Pass. It's no longer you missed out. But you should uh, you should you should pick it up. I played it on Switch and I loved it that way. Um, I'm sure you can just happily also play it on PC, but um, check out check out GOG or whatever. Yeah, it is definitely on PC as well. PC, I'm pretty sure it's on every console. I'm pretty sure it is. You should you should check out Yoku's Island Express. We will be talking about that next week, and we will see you then. Goodbye.